0: Man, The Cribs have so many great songs. I love Men's Needs, I love Hey Seensters, Mirror Kisses is probably my favourite. Uh, it's a just a classic mid-2000s throwback that I just love to bump. Really, really loud, and let me tell you something. My favourite way to listen to The Cribs is through braven audio speakers. Why? Because they are durable, they are tough, and they are fucking loud. I really love my Braven audio speakers, and I would like to share their excellence with you. Because, let's face it, you listen to this podcast, real recognizes real, let's, <laughs> there's a mutual appreciation going on here for all things wonderful. So. If you are interested in picking up a Braven audio speaker or indeed any other Braven audio equipment, then head over to braven.com.au, that's B-R-A-V-E-N.com.au. Pick out something nice, go through the checkout and use the offer code FRIENDS, that's F-R-I-E-N-D-S, and you can get yourself 25% off whatever you've purchased. How fucking cool is that? That's braven.com.au, offer code FRIENDS, get yourself 25% off. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. David James Young here with you. For all my friends, Aaron Barbands, hey, thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for checking this out. We're at episode 103, moving right through the triple digits, nice and easy. Uh, We have a hell of a show today. Uh, A quick one, but a really, really cool one. This is a chat with the Jarman Brothers, who you will probably know better as The Cribs. The uh, acclaimed UK rock band, uh, best known for some big hits around the mid-2000s and their first two records, they came through and did a a big run of sold-out shows here in Australia, including a show at the Lansdowne Hotel, uh, with what I can tell you is legitimately one of the wildest crowds I saw all year. It was just absolutely crazy. The place was overflowing, people were toppling onto the stage, uh, singing louder than the band itself, like, uh, it was just such a wild show, and I was not expecting it to be that crazy at all, but man, I had a good time want to give a big thanks to Sarah Chipman over at Title Track for helping to set up this interview. Really appreciate the effort there. Was really cool to work with you on this one. And of course, a big thanks to the guys from the Cribs as well for being so open and candid and taking a little bit out of their day to have a chat with me about everything that's gone on with the band since they started out. Uh, Production note, uh, we started this in the band room of the Lansdowne and then uh, previous guests of the show, lifetime friends of the show, Horror My Friend, who were supporting that tour, uh, they started sound checking, so we moved out into the beer garden. So, as soon as it gets a little bit loud uh, in the first couple of minutes, don't worry, we will quickly transition into our new environment, and it's relatively smooth sailing from there. Had a lot of fun putting this one together, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Want to give a big shout-out as well to my friend Holly Pereira, who came up from Melbourne just to see the show and was uh, following them up and down the East Coast. We were right up the front there, just getting <laughs> barged into by all these nutso backpackers. So that was that was quite a time. Hi Holly, if you're listening, I hope you enjoy this episode. That's pretty much it for now. If you would like to get in touch, please do so at uh, barbandspod at gmail.com, at barbandspod on Twitter, all my friends are in barbands on Facebook. You know where to find us, you know what it is. Uh, if you would like to support this podcast, you can do so by spreading the word, uh, by rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get podcasts, uh, over on Stitcher, maybe. Letting people know about uh, your favorite episode. Maybe you've got some friends that are into the cribs. Share this with them. I'm sure they'll appreciate it. I certainly will. And last but not least, if you have a couple of dollars to spare, please consider supporting the podcast on Patreon. Uh, Every little bit helps to uh, support this podcast and myself, and it is very, very appreciated for as little as $1 a month. You can provide monetary support for this independent podcast. So if that is of interest, then why not head yourself over to patreon.com slash barbands? P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash barbands. Would love that support. Of course, no pressure if you can't. The fact that you are listening to this at all means the absolute world, so thank you very much. Look forward to hearing from you all very, very soon. But in the meantime, let's get into it with The Cribs. I'd like to introduce you to my friends, the Cribs. Hi, David. How you going? Hi, very well, thank you. Please uh, introduce yourselves. I'm, Gar-
1: I'm Ryan. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Gary, 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 the bass player. Ryan, the guitar player. Uh,
2: and Ross on drums over here. Perfect.
1: Three jamming brothers. <laughs>
0: Rocking all over the world. Yeah. We're in Sydney. We're at the Lansdowne Hotel and the Cribs are back for a headlining tour. Uh, welcome back, guys. It's It's been a hot minute. It's been, been a it's while. It's been
1: five years. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, we, we never realize it until we get here and then we're like, you know, because you go off and, you, and you're busy and you're in other places and stuff and then you just, yeah. you don't realize how long it's been. And, and so it, we, we have certain things we like to do when we're in Australia and it's, it's, it's funny how to us it just seems like we've been in a time warp or something yeah. so it's
2: good to be back we're yeah. hoping that next time we don't leave it so long you know we hope we'll be back sooner
1: next time so yeah. you know the thing, the thing that sorry the thing that reminds us is actually like you, you the first thing you see is a bin chicken and you're like oh yeah, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen one of those things for ages and that's when you're like man it's been a long time mm. and then you remember that you've forgotten the name bin chicken. Yeah, yeah like, like it's not, like, you know it, what's called it called again
2: <laughs> they're so cute we're yeah. always more impressed with them than we are with yeah. anything, like, anything when show else? up and yeah. it's like people just walk past and we're, we're just like, really, like taking photos of them and stuff we love there. the ibis nice.
1: they're fantastic it's like, they, are, they are spiritual they look so the cool there was, there was some flying over there yeah. on they look it's amazing when the flying with that long D counting. It's majestic, isn't
0: it? Yes. It's, 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 it's tr- truly majestic. <laughs> truly
1: majestic. Do you guys remember the first time you came out here? Yeah, like we were talking about it earlier on today. Because we were driving through where we were staying. Um, we played at the Annandale in Sydney. Ah, yeah, literally just the road yeah, we from here. Yeah, at the Annandale, and then we played at the Palace in Melbourne. I think that was, we just did Sydney and Melbourne, but mm. it was great. And it was like it was kind of back in 2005 when. Uh, you know, we'd only been on the road for like a couple of years at that point. So yeah. it was like really we were super excited to get down here and the shows were great and um, it you know, it was kind of like it, at the height of us being yeah, you know, I, I I feel like back then like we were really used to just playing with like no sleep and just like getting on with something yeah. so it was like uh, you know you know the jet lag like, wasn't an issue Yeah, totally uh, okay, so who's the oldest
0: cell of the three? Me. All right, well, we start chronologically then. Yeah. I uh, start these by I guess talking about the specific moment where music went from being something that maybe you were just listening to on the radio or whatever to being something where it's just like I want to play guitar, I want to be a musician, I want to be in a band, all that sort of things. Like, was it kind of simultaneous for no. all of you, or did it all like kind of go down the line as you all? Got no.
1: It, well, it was simultaneous for me and Rai. It was 1991, I think. 1991 and. Um we were re- we just like we really got into Queen. My uncle like copied us some Queen cassettes, and we lo- we loved Queen. But then, actually, well, Queen were the first band that we were into. It. Then the um, Brian Adams had that big single out, like every- oh, everything I do, everything I do for you. for you, yeah. and like that was so so big in '91, and like we were we were into it, and we just we asked for guitars that Christmas, and then. Sweet. That was it, really. Like We started trying to learn Queen songs, which were really difficult. But then, when we were a few years later, we got into Nirvana. That made it easier, so we were just off and running then. Oh. So that was 91, and then uh, 92 was the year Punk broke, and then sure. ni- 93 was the year that we. We really like we re- well we really got into Nirvana when we were early teens mm. and so that was the like Ryan was saying it was almost like we, we felt cursed like we got into Queen and Freddie yeah. died and then we got into Nirvana and Kurt died it was like it started to feel like rock and roll started. it, it really felt sketchy to us like yeah, it was sure. like really like a dangerous yeah, but it was also kind of like you just it, I think that when you like, you know, you're really into a band, and then all of a sudden you're not there anymore. You're just mm. like, oh, I, I guess I've got to start a band, you know? Yeah, what I mean? yeah. <laughs> you know, was, you know, I guess I've got to do it. For some reason. It compels you, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then
2: uh, I was groomed by these guys to be a drummer as
1: well. Yeah, yeah Ross. Ross we, was always that ideal drummer because, like, me and Ray played together in our hometown. Yeah. And like, we had the same musical taste, and the only the only other person we could think of that would be like. In with that, was Ross, but he was there's a big difference between 14 years old and 10 years old. Yeah, Ross is four yeah, years course. our junior, and but there's a, and there's a really big difference between like 18 <laughs> years old and 14 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but then when Ross was 16 and we were 20, it was kind of evened out yeah, and he yeah, was yeah. fine and he was ready at that <laughs> point. We, did, we just sold a bunch of stuff and bought him a drum kit and we were like you know, start playing drums, and uh, that's how it, like. It, Like, I think Ross really liked, he was always into, into the idea of playing drums anyway, but we just, you know, getting a drum kit, honestly, I, I don't know if kids st- uh, still have this issue, but like even in a small town, like, it's a get, get in right a yeah. kit together when you're a teenager. <laughs> yeah, none of so you can drive as, as well. All yeah. of your time, and well, none of you can drive. But the people who can drive, your parents. Yeah. Are the last, people who want to be dealing with a drunk. Kid, you know. Exactly. You just finding one or not, being able to afford. One. I think we actually bought Ross's first piece by piece. So we'd sell a bunch of stuff and bought the yeah. kit and then sold a bunch of stuff and managed to get a snare. Yeah. I mean. Our folks are cool, but they were like, you know, like I think even even those guys like we just like, oh man, it, it was a daunting prospect to have like, because that meant we could start doing band practice in the house yeah, as well, yeah, you course. know, which we did.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. Did you have any uh, like similar kind of like switch on moments through like Nirvana, Queen, or whatever else? Anything well, for you specifically? We shared a lot of the uh, well, you know, Gary and
2: Ryan, I'd, I'd hear a lot of you know music coming across the hallway when we were growing. But, yeah. I mean, the thing is, I think with me, I wasn't a particularly good drummer, you know, when I, when when, I, when the band first started out. But Gary and Ryan really liked that lo-fi kind of like simple kind of stuff. And yeah. We wanted that Ringo. Really, yeah, we wanted a
1: Ringo in the band. Yeah. Sure.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I think I think we kind of the kind of liked that like you know push
1: and pull loose <laughs> kind of drumming, you know, when we first started out. So, mm. yeah. Like just have, having someone like Ross play drums was cool because he came into it no preconceptions. Yeah. So like that was good you know because I feel like with music guitarists like if you're a punk rocker like it's frowned upon for a guitarist to pull solos and it's frowned upon for the bass player to like slap and do all that (laughs) drummers there's no such rules like drummers are allowed to fucking noodle and and try and show off and stuff stuff. so (laughs) it's it's always hard to find a drummer that just wants to like, a musical drummer, it's kind of hard, especially, like, younger people, it's hard yeah. to come across. 99% of drummers I always think of playing purely to impress all the drummers. Yeah! Like, I prefer a drummer that is just playing to just, like, you know, just rock it no, and totally, sing totally. the song and play <laughs> musically and stuff.
0: So where did you guys grow up?
1: We grew up in Wakefield in West Yorkshire.
0: Right. So, for those who aren't kind of familiar with the area, like, um, how would you kind of describe it, especially kind of musically? Like, were there any like hometown heroes or anything like that, or was it kind of like, you know, only a couple of people were really
1: properly kind of specifically well, interested in music? It was interesting because when we when we were growing up, it was actually like it, it's a very working class town, so it's, yeah. it's like it was actually. Um, very it, blue collar yeah it actually really was it, you know not only was it not supportive of the arts it was actually the opposite way around it right. was kind of like being an artist you were actually stepping outside like, your social it, state it, it you, felt like you were being pretentious you get, get kind of a lot of hassle in the streets like going carrying a guitar around and stuff Yeah. but you know I think that we did you know there was one like punk rock club there that you would go to every weekend and they would have like bands on you know there was a lot of like you know like like just, it was a very, very uh, underground kind of scene. That all the outsiders bonded together because yeah. they didn't really have anyone else. Yeah, so you have one club that was full of goths, punks, like you know, yeah. they were all whatever. together because they were just like ostracized in other bars and so yeah. really. I mean, I think that's probably the way it is in a lot of cities. I actually miss that tribalism element nowadays. Like sure, I, yeah. I used to like what like, you'd have to hunker down with other people. that felt the same. So there were big gigs on in there. There was actually some... Wavefield had some good punk bands, but as far as, like, aspirational-wise, yeah, the it, biggest you could get was wow. to play players and put a record out on the local, like on this local punk label. And that yeah, was kind of like, that was really... That, you were, that was the peak. Get, you, so. you were doing well if you'd done that.
0: Now, were there any bands for you guys individually or anything like that before the Crips? Or was that always kind of the first thing? Yeah, we
1: had bands that, like me and Ryan were in a band in college uh, with friends of ours at college. <laughs> Ross, had a, Ross had a punk band as well. Mm, think, yeah. Just a school band for me, yeah. Like when I was, you know, growing up, various school bands. We started our first band in '94, yeah. so it was like, you know, but the yeah, well. Nirvana-y kind of music. I like to say the Cribs were always kind of going though, because like, you know, we actually even before me and Gary started bands at high school and at college, you know, we would definitely all jammed together in our bedroom that predated all that stuff anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so the Cribs was always kind of going, even from when Ross was maybe like like eight years old or something. We started really, really young. Like, yeah, wow. Uh, you know, we never got really much further than just recording stuff on bar tracks recording covers and stuff. We weren't really mm. writing songs. The band started properly in around I would say the crib started properly in around 2001 when we, um, me and Gary dropped out of college and... Autumn 2001. We dropped out of college because we realised it was just, it was just kind of a waste of our time. Yeah, of course. And uh, just what we were doing there. And we opened up a a studio slash rehearsal room in Wakefield and that's when the crib started properly because, like, you know, we... That was our day job at that point. We were there all the time.
0: What do you guys remember about the first show?
1: first time you ever played live it was amazing because because the circumstances were really challenging right like Ross's drum the, the drum kit the house drum kit the house drum kit had yeah. um, it, was, it was it had ca- it, the heads were put through so it had cardboard taped onto the head oh, so it sounded really flat yeah the bass sound was like this big and like it was the worst bass amp I've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> but we but but John, we were thrilled because yeah, because like like me and Ryan had previously like been doing gigs with bands where so it was like everything was a little bit more proper yeah, you know yeah, and, and, all, like we we actually had this like whole like anti Gear kind of ethic, you know, right, so recall, yeah. you know, like you should just literally be able you to get able up. To rock on anything. You know, should that. be able to get up, yeah. and play on anything, and if the songs are good enough, then it should be fine. And so the very first show we booked, we were actually thrown right in at the deep, and we were like, right, if that's your ethic, then try literally yeah. the worst gear you can possibly. Imagine. We played at two o'clock in the afternoon on a on Easter Sunday, and it was like an indie all day. Yeah, there was some cool bands playing actually, but mainly uh, like art rock, sort of like like an instrumental kind of ambient sort of. Stuff. There was a lot, yeah, all kinds. Yeah. It was all kinds of stuff because like, there wasn't many like-minded bands, so everyone was sort of thrown together, like we were saying before. Yeah, where um, was this? What was the this show? This was in, it was, was in Wakefield. Wakefield. It's oh, yeah. a bar that uh, it was now it's it's, it was, it's a strip bar. It was like a strip club thing. Right, it wasn't right. At right. the time, but it, like <laughs> I, I think like a year later, that's what it turned into, which kind of says a lot about <laughs> how Wakefield area, was yeah. then. Yeah, at the time, yeah. But we we had a lot of we were quick. We quickly started like getting a buzz and, and um, we started getting a lot of gigs offered in Leeds and Sheffield which are the two big cities mm. we're doing like a lot of opening ba- uh, opening slots for like you know garage rock bands like uh, you know the popular garage rock bands like yeah. Sleepy Jackson were one of them actually oh wow yeah and they gave it. they kind of gave us our first break in some ways they came over we opened for them they really liked us and they took us out on a national tour of the UK and yeah. like and for us, that was just a huge deal. You know. So that was
0: the first time you'd ever ever on tour. tour. Yeah, yeah, the first
1: wow. We
2: kept in touch ever since as well. We saw Mal a couple of days. Ago.
1: Yeah, we saw the drummer Mal. Too. Oh yeah, of
0: course. Yeah, that's, that's cool. incredible. Yeah. What do you remember about that first tour in
1: particular? Um, I have been overwhelmed, overwhelmed. I just yeah. remember it just being like, I I like I mean it's funny now because we've done like a, you know like pretty much since that day we've haven't stopped being on tour. But yeah, like I remember like that first oh, tour, I just. Couldn't believe it. I thought it was like the absolute perfect life. You we were all know of me. age at that point, yeah. 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 Ross might, Ross no, was 17, no, Ross, yeah. Ross was 17, so we, not really. But. We
2: bought a van and we had to like draw out how we were going to sleep in it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because like it, there was, it was literally lit- no, no room. There was like, oh, so we were like, say, well, if you put your legs up that way,
1: then someone <laughs> could be underneath there, and then if you put your legs over that seat, but we slept in car parks and stuff, but we thought, we thought, like, yeah, we thought it was the perfect life because we were just like we didn't mind that you grow up young in as yeah. well kind of you know what I mean yeah. like, you do grow up you know, so. but it was we were on first the, sometimes wasn't that many people in but we we honestly just felt like we were doing what we were supposed to do and like yeah. you know, it was it, it was really thrilling and like overwhelming in a lot of ways it was like yeah, you didn't sleep much you didn't yeah. you lived re- we lived really hard we'd been waiting for it so long that we just, just went grasped for it. the yeah. metal yeah
0: yeah, I can imagine. Like, uh there's that there's that classic very trite thing of, you know, when you're starting out and you know, like think like oh if we you know play this or we do this as a band or something then you know we've we've, we've made, made it, it yeah. quote unquote like is was there any kind of particular moment for that for you guys like where you got to i don't know play somewhere or go somewhere main stage or stage someone? Yeah the, yeah the main, the main yeah. stage at reading
1: yeah. was always the like that was a festival we went to as kids no. and we we're like if you could do that that was the unthinkable that was like you it's know it's not possible we were like i would love to do that but that will never happen so when that happened the first time which was just after our second album it was almost like well, everything after this is just you know mm. gravy basically, and we've done it three times now. So that was cool. There was certain things with that with venues as well. I was talking to someone earlier on about it that I think that the the, the, the first time that you headline or sell out the venue that you you used to go see big shows at locally, yeah. you know, which for us was like you know the town and country club in Leeds or yeah, like yeah. the university. So you'd see like the first full time you Marley man's yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah, sure. The first time you headline that that's like always kind of like a, you know a, a bigger deal here. Than yeah.
0: was there any kind of point like you mentioned like you, you were going very very hard at it you know from the second that you guys kind of had the, that first yeah. record out was there any kind of i don't know like crash and burn moment like yeah, was, was there any few, kind of point where you're just like fuck we can't do this anymore australia
1: like first time we were in australia was like that because really yeah. you, f- you feel so far from home the bin chickens really freaked. Us out. Yeah. <laughs> like you're so far from home that you just I mean, there's moments like where you realise like how how f- not only mentally but physically far away you've come from where you started, and yeah. like that, like couple that in with like you know not sleeping much and like and living hard, like I was, was saying, mm. that you can have moments where you just like you either feel really awesome about that or really but that, terrified and, and this. It, that was just it, the first time. Though. I mean, I think that you know, like. Yeah, over the years, like it, like if old... you do it, pretty, if the band, it's like I mean, we we have never been one to really like like broadcast stuff like that yeah. or like talk yeah. about it because we just I don't think that, I think that that is a tired old cliche, but sure. unfortunately, a, a lot of the cliches are pretty pretty true. Pretty you know? sure, okay. yeah. And so you do, and yeah, there's, there's been a few we've there's been a few like times where we've had to like take stock or like, something you know, else so it's usually cumulative it's cumulative rather than just like one thing yeah you
0: know? Yeah. So yeah. I mean how do you navigate that now like obviously you know you're at a point now where you've been doing this for a while and you obviously would have a, a better grasp on you know the realities of, of touring and you stuff
1: just live like and learn we've hit every hurdle yeah. I would say we've probably hit every hurdle and like now We just work. You You just just work. Get fooled again. You know Mm. that's the way it is. You know, and like I think then something else finds you like later on. so Like you know, it's I I don't know. The whole thing is just like play. You just play every day. You know. You're on borrowed time as a band. It's the way it is. And like the way that we always thought was, we're on borrowed time. Let's let's live it as as let's get as much out of it as what we can as far as like experience wise goes, and then. But then you eventually get to the point where I'm uh, good. You get to the point where it just keeps on going, and then. You just, you just adapt it's just adapting really yeah yeah of course of course as you mentioned you know you are on that borrowed time kind of thing and
0: I, I, I guess you know as every the years band go on is. Yeah, yeah, every yeah. band is yeah but you know like things kind of shift and change and stuff like that and, and, and you mentioned like throughout all of that you've still managed to find this way to you know stay active and stay on the road and still stay touring after all this time like uh, how how has that kind of been like for you guys particularly to you know kind of just is it just a matter of rolling with the punches and knowing when and where to kind
1: of take your shot and things. The, like that the Cribs are all of our favourite band, you know. Like I, I and I say that like not in a egocentric way. I say like it in the way like we write the songs that we want. We we are the band that we want we, we, we make the songs that we want to hear, you know, like which yeah. which is that's the idealistic kind of it <laughs> because we all grew up into into the same stuff. We all have the same goals. So like we make we make the, the records that we actually would like to hear and so like mm. that to, you know to be honest not, not to be too uh, romantic about it but that that's what drives you just the idea that you think you always think oh the next record's going to be our best record and, and yeah. oh, the, the next record I really want to hear it I really want to know what it's going to be I mean, you know it, we're idealistic like that and it, and, it, and it really steals you it really steals your conviction yeah and it's not like ego, it's not an ego thing it's just like you know we all love this band and like and we've dedicated so much of our life to it now anyway that yeah. it's like you know when you um, dedicate this much of your life to it it's like it's literally <laughs> you know you know whatever the fact that it is all anyone's really ever gonna see you as or remember yeah. you for you know so it's like you just wanna make it as you know everything as good as you possibly can do Yeah. And like um, it's such a privilege as well. Like we just, mm. just to be sat here now. Like you we know, yeah, never expected it when we started out as yeah. kids. Because you do, not you know. And yeah, no, And, and of it's course. just a, it's an enormous. Uh, that's that's enough to keep you going too. Just the fact that we, you have a fan base who care about you, and that's that's, you know, it's like it, when you have a fan base that care about you. It's, it's so weird to have that many relationships all over the world, but like you know that you would normally only have with a, f- a friend or a, or a girlfriend or something yeah, yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. So bizarre it's like, yeah girlfriends yeah. all over the world <laughs> all all this piece, right? yeah, and then we're just going to get slammed for <laughs> yeah, it.
2: that's it <laughs> every child's different and it's it so, and every gig you know I've said before it's like you get you get a certain um, thrill from the gig that you can't really um you can't really replicate it anywhere else. Mm. So the only way of doing it
1: is getting up and doing we, we it. We so. grew up nurturing this idealism that was like everyone's saying like it's impossible and you're never going to get there and like and 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 everyone's like kind of beating you down for it. So you're really nurturing this thing, like just trying to make sure that it doesn't go out. Yeah. And like then you get to the point where. When it, things do start going well, you've still got that same ethos. You you're like, no, like we've got to make sure that this is still mm. protected because you've you spent so much time believing that it's this really tenuous and precious thing. I think thing. the worst, the worst thing does, a band can do, yeah. like you know, the, the, like I think the, I think the worst fate for a band is when they start out good and then they get sort like they get signed and they get popular and they get so blown off course. Yeah. Everything else about yeah. is so bad. That people remember that there were good ones. Yeah. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, And I've seen that happen a million times. That for me is my worst nightmare. Yeah, so totally. like we always have got like that in the back of our mind. But you just don't have yeah. yeah. to sure worry about it really because like our entire time in the industry we've always like I think that we've had a, a healthy kind of kind of combative nature with uh, everyone that we've worked with. Yeah. And I think that, that that's probably a good sign, you know. It doesn't yeah. make it means that like the going's never that easy, but it's like it probably means that you're doing something right because I think that you never if you're just going along with everything then like it, if you just go along with everything that like you know you, the team around you wants to you to do then yeah. it's just gonna it's, what, done a go. it's gonna just like, yeah finally like verb verb you'll <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> alright so we'll wrap it up here but before
0: we do that I ask this of all of my guests and now Cribs, it is your turn I want to know about the best and worst shows that you have
1: ever played in your entire life best show um, and I'll do Worst Show first. Worst Show was one in Amsterdam, we were booked to play at a London Calling Festival, which is a decent right. festival, yeah, yeah, yeah. but we were shoehorned onto the bill at the last minute by our manager at the time, who was an idiot. He shoehorned <laughs> us in at the last minute, we played at like 11 o'clock in the morning on an outdoor right. stage, Jeez. and it was just the, the worst gig ever. Best gig ever, there's there's a few that we've really enjoyed. Reading 2012 sticks in my mind, That's Reading's always important to us, but it's a really celebratory show I think yeah. I would say was when we did Leeds mm. Arena just because it was just like it was so oh, easy wow, and it was so yeah. fun and it's like you know it, it's funny because you always think oh I wonder whether or not I could be an Arena Rock yeah. and then you get that chance and you think oh yeah it's, it's fucking well easy to be in yeah. Arena rocker, or whatever <laughs> and then the worst gig was we uh, did a, a gig on the Queen's well, like Jubilee back in like <laughs> 2001 or something. It was a big outdoor stage and it sounded so bad and I had no idea why it sounded bad. And we shouldn't bad. have been playing for the Jubilee no, anyway. I <laughs> don't even know why it sounded <laughs> bad. And then I looked and there was literally no speakers. They had built like a really big fancy stage and had a big mixing board and they had everything ready and they brought no. Speakers, oh, uh, uh, I, I saw that just before we went on stage and oh, no. like, <laughs> we,
2: uh, we asked who the sound guy was and this like sixteen year old kid thought, Oh I'm the sound guy but was, like ah, he'd
1: was, been allocated the job. I wouldn't even like, say the sixteen it was like a fourteen year old kid like oh, yeah, I'm the sound yeah. guy, i like... And uh, oh. the power at the
2: festival got caught at one point when they got to the bottom of it. The bulldog, somebody had tied a bulldog to the generator and the bulldog had walked off. Oh no! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh. That was the worst. Fucking just says it all, yeah. really. best I liked Millennium Square in Leeds a few years ago so as well. Oh, yeah, that would have been awesome. Yeah. Right. Outdoor, yeah, under the stars. Universe.
1: First really of Morrow. F- oh, and dude! It's like a really badass. kind like, of Fuck yeah. Night. We were just, we were trying to make the dreams that we had as a kid come true because so we were like, you know, if, if, if a band played outdoors and like, and like, and Sonic Youth are like we favorite artists, yeah. play, mm. you would have been really psyched yeah. by it. And, and it, it really did turned out that way. It was a dream come true, really. Brilliant.
0: Brilliant.
1: Gentlemen, thank you so much thank for your time. So I really so appreciate much. it. Thank Thanks uh, man. I'm David Ginger and
0: all my friends are...